Just before we, we go into our, our, the word, let me just read today's scripture for, for us tonight. The first one is taken from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 29 to 38. And then we're going to read John 17. And Jesus heals many. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her head, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35, Jesus prays in a solitary place. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they had found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also, that it is. That is why I have come. So that was Mark 1. And the next reading is from the Gospel of John. John chapter 17. Jesus prays to be glorified. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have, you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And our Father, glorify me in your presence, with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they, have, now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted it. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, 
that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for, for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So that was quite a mouthful of, of scripture tonight. And there's a lot. Um, there's, there's a lot when it comes to prayer. Jesus says a lot. So um, tonight we're not going to look at every part of scripture where Jesus talks about prayer. I reckon we'll be here till morning if that's the case. Um, I have time. <laughs> you've got time, yeah? Yeah, I hope we do. That'd be great. Start revival at St. Michael's. Why not? Um, and so for me tonight, I just want to look at three, um, three examples of prayer. This whole series has been about looking at Jesus as our example when it comes to following him. And so it's not different tonight that we look at Jesus as our example when it comes to what prayer looks like and how we should pray and how we should apply prayer in our everyday lives. So I have a friend. Actually, before I go there, let me ask you this. Have you ever known someone or, or, or followed someone or truly, truly looked up to someone and you thought, wow, they, they, they are an amazing person. You are so good at what you do, at your job, at life. I, I really want to emulate you because I'm looking at you and you're just amazing. I, I want to be like you. I really want to sort of has anybody ever had a person? It could be a parent or, or a friend. You know, you, I, I really want to be like you. you you're, you're so amazing. You're great. So I, I have a friend. He's, he's one of my best mates. And we were in the Air Cadets together. And uh, we, you know, we came together through the Air Cadets. But he was, he was something special. He, you looked at him and you think, man, you, you are the perfect Air Cadet. Like, I want to be like you. You, like I follow you, uh, yeah, wherever you go, I will go. You are, you are the man for the job. He's my best friend. We're still friends today. I'm older than him, uh, but, but he is still always like, yeah, mate, you, I'm going to follow you. Like, you, say, you say jump, I'm going to say how high. Uh, you, know, you are just what it means to be an amazing accident. You, you iron your trousers really well. You polish your boots really well. You, you, you listen. You... you, you, you you shoot your, your gun well, you, you are just, you're a top marksman. I, I want to be like you, you are just top notch. But what happens is you realize that actually humans are fallible and we make mistakes and we are not perfect. And so that imagery of what perfection looks like, something happens and it cracks and it breaks. And you go, ah, OK, 
okay, not so perfect after all. But there is one who goes by the name of Jesus. There we go, Jesus, who is the perfect image of God. One we can always keep our eyes looked on at all times, and he will never, ever let us down. Today we are looking at just three types of prayers, three styles of prayers, three prayers that Jesus shows us in those two readings. Um, and the first one tonight, as Jesus is our example of what it means to, to pray, is, is, this, is this thing of secluded prayer. We read in the Gospel of Mark uh, that Jesus went alone to pray. The average day is 95, right? So you say you work, if you work in a city, the average is 95. Doesn't, doesn't take into consideration you having to get up in the morning, brush your teeth, have a shower, have your breakfast, you're rushing around, checking your emails, you, you're putting things in your pockets, you want to get your bag ready, have I got the right socks on, have I got the right shoes on, your head's, you, you're everywhere, you run the door, you forget your phone, you go back in, you get your phone, you go back out, am I going to miss my train, oh my goodness, I need to run, you run to Westleaf Station, you're out of breath, you're sweaty, you get a newspaper, you sit on a train, it's busy, you get to work, you, your train was late, delayed, TFL, nightmare, you get to the office, you're rushing around, you sit at your desk, you go on your computer, you do your emails, it's break time, but you were late, so you can't get a break. Do you get what I'm going, right? It, it just gets busy, it gets busy, it gets busy, and it gets intense. And then you finish work, and then you repeat the journey in reverse, and you go back home. Uh, you go back home, and it happens that you have to make dinner, you have to cook, you spend time with the kids and, and your spouse and you got to do work and you got to do bedtime and by the time you realize what time it is, it's 8, 9 p.m., you're shattered and you repeat again the cycle. Where is the space for you and God in it? Where is the space for you and the Lord? And I, and I mean, where is the space of solitude, of just intimacy between you and God? No distractions, no mobile phones, no emails, no alarms, no agendas, just you and the Lord. And the reality is, we don't spend enough time in that place of quietness and seclusion if we are all honest with ourselves. And I'm guilty of that, so I know that for myself. I probably don't spend enough time in quiet with the Lord. Henri Nouwen, who was a Dutch priest in his writings of the Desert Fathers and Mothers, says this about solitude. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. What Henry is trying to say is, in, the place, in, in, in that place of solitude is where you are transformed by the presence of God Almighty. It is there that you, a place of quietness where you can hear his still small voice and you are transformed from the inside out by God. And if, if we look at that reading in the Gospel of Mark, we see that the day before, Jesus did many, many miracles. He gave out, he poured his spirit out. He did so much for people. But that morning, that early morning, Jesus needed to get away. He needed to find some alone time to be with the Father, to be with his Father, to speak to his Father. 
after a busy day of doing teachings, of miracles, of, 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 of healing this, of healing that, of, of being touched by people, people just taking from him. And before the start of another such day, where he was going to pour out so much, Jesus exemplifies what it means to find solitude, not out because you're sad or because you're down, but a place where you can be refreshed by the Father, a place where you can be filled again, refilled, where, where poured out, poured, the Spirit just pours in you, where you need the presence of God for the, what the day has ahead of you. Jesus is the illustration, the example of what it means to find a place of quiet. Long while before daylight, he went out, left the house, and went to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus often did this in the morning while it was still dark, so in winter it could be 5 a.m., 5.30, being spring or summer, I'm looking at maybe 4.30, but he, he prioritized the Father. Before his day even started, I need to get right with God first. I need to make sure that I get the presence of God in my life. Hey, God, what are we doing today? Father, what, what, what is our mission? What are we going to do today before the day even starts? Jesus models that not because he models it for himself because he, he needs the Father's presence, but he also models it for his disciples so that they are aware when he's gone, that they need to find that place of solitude with the Father because of what was to come. What will be happening to them? We read is it in Luke 11, verse 1, where he was praying in a certain place. And we know that he was alone because his disciples came to him. And that's where they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. So they know that Jesus left. He went to pray elsewhere. And it's when he had gone, they realized that Jesus is not here. So we need to go and find Jesus so he can teach us how to pray. Why does Jesus always go to these places of solitude? It's because Jesus went to pray and encounter the Father. And that's when his disciple asked him to be taught how to pray. And that's where he taught him the Lord's Prayer. You see, when Jesus finds that place of solitude, that place of, of being alone with the Father, it was a great source of, of contentment in his time of prayer. Jesus needed to be with his Father because of what was ahead, the works that Jesus said, this is why I have came. In verse 38, he needed to be filled with the presence of the Father in his life. Father, we are going to go and do your will. I need to be filled by you, Lord. This world is, is so fast-paced. It is so fast-moving. And it doesn't slow down. It's not going to slow down for me or for you. And most of the time, we just it goes in a blur. But what we can do is we can carve out time to spend with Jesus. We can make the time to be with God. We can say, this, this, this time is sacrosanct. This is my alone time that I'm going to carve because I need to be with God Almighty. I need to be with him, the master, the creator, the alpha, the omega, the one who breathed life into being. I need to be with him because it is good for my soul. It refreshes me and I need to spend time 
with God. Jesus tells us that we should go to our room and to shut the door and to pray to the Father in the secret place. And our Father who is in the secret place will hear us and reward us openly. Let us find our secret place and let us be present in the presence of God. Let us be present in the presence of God. And that's what Jesus is teaching us in that small passage actually, what it looks like to pray in a solitary place, to be with the Father in an intimate moment. <clears throat> My second point is actually point two, but 2.1 and 2.2. So it's two points in one point, but there's just two. This good second point, but sub point one and two, okay? Um, so we read in John 17 um, that Jesus prays three things. He prays three different prayers. And so I, I kind of titled it uh, Prayers of Intercession and Prayers of Supplication. So there are two different things. So we have prayers of intercession and prayers of supplication. So we're going to start with intercession. So we read in John 17 that Jesus is praying for his believers and for believers and his disciples, he is interceding, he is coming for, he is standing in the gap for his believers. Another word, if you will, is called being an advocate. Jesus in 1 John uh, 2.1 is our advocate, and an advocate is someone who pleads the case of another. Jesus is the one who pleads the case for me and for you. He is the one who stands in the place when we cannot speak for ourselves. Um, and Jesus takes that place in front of the Father and pleads to God on our behalf. Jesus is the one who pleads for us to the Father. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our intercessor. And Jesus' prayers for us are not temporal. They're not uh, um, a one-off. They're not uh, trivial. They are constant. They are always and they are perfect because Jesus is the Son of God whom God loves and with him God is well pleased. Jesus' prayers for us are efficient and they are perfect and at all times they are constant. Jesus doesn't stop praying for us and his prayers for his disciples, he prays that they would, um, that they will be safe from the devil. He prays for them uh, not for the world, but he prays for the one that God has given him, that they would be unified as they are one, that they'll be protected when he goes away, that they are not of the world, but they are not in the world, but they are not, they are not of the world, but they are in the world, that they are kept safe. Jesus is pleading and praying for his disciples, for his friends, for his loved ones, that they are safe and protected. You see, Jesus is continuously on our behalf, interceding for us to the Father. Before Jesus ascended and went to heaven, um, he told Simon Peter this. He says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus is praying for us. And he prayed for his disciples, for Simon Peter, that the devil would not have a foothold in his life. You see, church, Jesus is continuously interceding on our behalf to the Father, that we 
the devil hasn't got a, foot, uh, a foothold in our lives. That we are kept safe, that we are unified, that we are one as he is one. Jesus prays that we would be followers of his word, that we would be transformed by the word, that we would know him, that we would share the word with people, so that people would know Jesus. Jesus in verse 3 prays that we would know God and we would know his son, Jesus Christ. He prays in verse 11 that we would be protected from apostasy. He prays that we would be of one spirit as the Father and the Son are one, that the church would be unified as we are one. How relevant is that prayer then, that the church is unified when, if you look at the church now, all it seems to be is disunity. Jesus is praying, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. In verse 13, Father, let them be full of joy. He says, look, I want my, my children, my family to be full of joy. That they remain, Christ, they remain in me through generations. And he prays that our love for one another would convey Christ's message to the world. Jesus is interceding for people. He's praying for one another. One of my things is I love praying for people. I love to pray. I think I get it from my mum. Just two story real quick. I wasn't feeling well one day. I was a bit ill. And my mum calls me up on the phone. She doesn't know I'm ill. She just calls me on the phone. And she says, Nick, something's wrong. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, you're not well, so I'm going to pray for you. She doesn't even say, can I pray for you? She goes, I'm going to pray for you. So I go, okay, mum, it's fine. And so I'm, on the, I'm, on, I'm in my bed on my knees. And I'm on our speaker. And she's praying, she's praying. She's going hard. And I mean, like, like she's going hard, you know, fire. Holy, she's, she's going, like, Pentecostal, like, African, like she's back home, she's deep, like calling the spirit, like, just, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm, here, I'm crying, I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying, I'm, I'm sobbing, I'm on the phone, she says, Nick, stop crying, and she keeps on praying, but I'm just, I'm just crying, and I'm like, oh my goodness, the joy, and, 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 and the love, and, and, and the peace, and the fire, I'm feeling in my bones that I know someone is praying for me. Have you ever felt that feeling when, when someone says, I'm praying for you? There is a sense of, this is amazing, that you have people who are interceding, who are praying, who are petitioning God on your behalf. People, when they get home, they are on their knees, and they are crying, and they are praying, and they are saying, Lord, I, I want you to speak in that person's life. My own mother makes me cry when she prays on the phone, because I cannot contain what she is praying and what God is doing in that moment, because it is another level. I am awestruck, and I am blessed, and I am truly at peace when I know that people are praying for me. Have you ever felt that, that peace when you know that someone's praying for you or someone puts their hand on your shoulder and they say, can we pray? And it's, it's a difference. The atmosphere changes around. The presence of God comes through and it is something different. It's not the same. In 1992, um, there's an athlete uh, called Derek Redmond, have you ever seen the story of the, the Olympic athlete, Eric Redmond? Uh, he was running, I think, the 400 meters uh, in Spain, Barcelona, and he was running. And he was running, he was, he was going through. And as he ran this race, he tore his hamstring. So right in the middle of his race, he's running and he's tore his hamstring and he can't run anymore. All his hopes, all his training dashed to pieces. And he's sobbing, he's crying, he's, he's alone, he's... This whole crowd is looking upon him, but he's lost at sea. 
And now at this time, his dad jumps. His dad jumps over the fence and runs to his son. And he takes his son by the arm and puts his son's shoulder on his, on his shoulders, arm on his shoulder, and he carries his son past the line. And his son, there is, he's in complete tears. He's broken down. But there is one who is carrying him through it. Church, that's what Jesus does for us. When, when, and that's what intercession does for us. When we, we are alone, when we feel left out, when we are broken, when we are by ourselves, the prayers of the church family, the intercessions of the church family, unlike Derek Redmond and his dad, they lift us up and they carry us through our deepest and darkest moments. The amount of times that people have been praying for me and just lifts my spirits up, fills me in this church here, in my sending church, my college. The amount of time when people pray for me and eat us, intercede and petition God on my behalf. There's nothing quite like it. Jesus shows us what it means to pray for his friends and his loved ones. I guess my prayer is that when we pray, we pray like Jesus is telling us to pray. And there's a reading in the, um, something that I love that Paul does in, in Galatians. And let me read to you this. This is what Paul says in the book of Galatians. Where is it? It's Galatians 6. No, it's Galatians 6. It's not 2. Where is it? I've lost it. doesn't matter. Ephesians, not Galatians. Oh my goodness. It's right here. There we go. Where is it? Let me get I will get there. I promise you. Just bear with me, okay? Be nice. Be nice. Okay. Right here. In, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says this. Now bear in mind, Paul, who was once Saul, encountered Jesus in a very powerful way. And this is what Paul says when he prays for the Ephesian church. Listen to this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul says, Church, I am on my knees and I am petitioning God Almighty for you that you are filled with the glorious riches, that you are strengthened through the power of his Holy Spirit. Church, petitioning, praying for others means sometimes we have to get on our knees. We have to humble ourselves before God Almighty and we have to cry out to him and say, Lord, I am bringing before you my friends, my families, my loved one. And as we go into this season of Lent, church, can I encourage us to really, to, to really let, let's get on our knees. If we, if we want to pray for miracles, we want to pray for saying revival in our families, we want to pray for um, uh, the prodigals to come back home, we've got to pray. We've got to intercede. We've got to, we've got to get on our knees. We've got to pray like Jesus prayed for his friends. We've got to pray like Paul, and we've got to cry out to the Lord. I don't think there's any other way. If we, look, we have to petition God. We have to let him hear our prayers. And so as we go through the season of Lent, can I encourage us to do that? Um, so let me get on to my point two, two. This is 2.1. Okay, I spent a lot of time there. Okay, I'm going to fast track now, okay? And my second point is this. In Luke, um, it's uh, the idea of supplication. And supplication comes from the Latin to plead humbly. So to plead humbly is a prayer of request most of the time for ourselves. Um, and we pray most of the time that we are enriched, 
that we are uh, we're full of wisdom, uh, with strength and help and love. And, 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 and Christianity and uh, the genuine supplication is an expression, expression of authentic belief in God and trust in him to answer our prayers. And what we see in John 17 is actually Jesus himself is praying. Hey, he's praying for himself. He's like, Lord, I'm praying for me that I may be glorified so that people will see you. He's praying for himself. So it's right and it's okay that we pray for ourselves as well. Unlike prayers of petition, which is praying on behalf of others, the prayer of supplication is generally a request of the person praying. And the Bible is full of passages of prayers of supplication. If you look in the Psalms, David, Davidic Psalms, David praying for himself. You look at Daniel when King Darius declared the edict forbidding any prayers to any God but the king himself. Daniel continued to pray God with prayers of thanksgiving as well as supplication for God's aid in his circumstances. Prayers of supplication are found everywhere in the scripture. And prayers of supplication tend to be persistent. So let me read a part of scripture in Luke 18. Uh, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So prayers of supplication have to be persistent. And he said this, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to her, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord has been Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus himself is telling us when we when we pray, when we ask God for ourselves, it can't be a one-hit wonder. It can't be a, I'm going to pray once and poof, it will happen. You see, church, God is not a genie in a bottle. He's not a genie in a lamp. He's not, he's not, you don't rub him once. He comes out and you go, God, I want this. Thank you very much. And he goes, okay, Nick, you got it. And he goes, back in his lap. God is not a genie. It doesn't work that way. To, to even think as God that a genius is just an insult. He is not him. That is not him. But rather, Jesus is telling us that when we pray, when we come with faith and heart desiring to see things change, it shouldn't be like a one-hit wonder, but it should be a real cry in the depths of our hearts, asking God to move in our lives, to really see our circumstances change. Supplications, part of Jesus' prayers. He prayed for himself. He's taught us how to pray for ourselves. In the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us to pray for daily bread, for food. He teaches us to pray at all times. But here's where I think this is what the important bit when it comes to prayers, of supplication, and even prayers of intercession. 
And perhaps the best way to approach when we pray, when we come to Jesus in prayer, is to seek God in all honesty as children talking to their beloved Father. But this is the hard bit. We end our prayers with, Your will be done. Now that is the hard bit. When we pray, we petition, and we seek, we'll end with, Lord, Your will be done. Not mine. Your will be done. So this leads me to my final point. At the core of our prayers, at the core of that place where we are intimate and quiet, in solitude, we are seeking God's will to be done. Jesus prayed to seek God's will to be done. Lord, what are we doing? What is your will for today? When we pray for uh, others, Lord, your will be done. When we pray for ourselves, when we pray for what I desire, Lord, your will be done. Not mine. And in the face of death, we know that Jesus, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said this, Father, if it's your will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my, but your will be done. At all times, it is, and it has to be, this Father's will. Jesus desired above all to do the Father's will, as we read in Hebrews 10. And his prayers were of no exception. Father, what is your will? That's a hard thing. Because sometimes what we want can be so far different from what God wants. I'll give you an example. My kids sometimes, they, they get crazy. Like if you have kids, they get a bit nuts and they pray for really silly things. They pray for all sorts. And I was reading one day that they were praying, kids pray for craziness. Um, and, and so you Google and you watch videos of kids praying online and they pray, Lord, let this broccoli taste like it's uh, cotton candy in my mouth. Okay, right. So we pray, kids pray for complete craziness. Lord, I pray that uh, I don't have to go to school tomorrow. Let me be ill. It's like, okay, you know, <laughs> sure. Um, but it's the reality, though, isn't it? That sometimes we don't actually... We, we pray for things, but actually they're probably not really good for us. They're probably not beneficial for ourselves. They're not helpful for us. But yet we know we have one who knows better, who knows more than us. And he looks at me and goes, Nick, you're so silly. We, we, I'm not going to give you this, but I'm going to give you something that you even haven't asked for. But it's so much better for you. Sometimes when we pray, it's about opening ourselves up to the Father's will what he may have in store for us. And it might be completely scary, but that's okay. Because we have a God who loves us, a God who displays what it means to pray, a God who intercedes for us, a God who doesn't want to harm us, but a God who just wants the best for us. So church, I just pray that as you go through your week, that you take the time to be with God, however long, in your own space, that you pray maybe for other people, like Dara did today, that we pray for others, that we come before God for other people. And at the same time, we, we pray for ourselves, because we need Christ too, that we pray for ourselves. When we pray for ourselves, we end with the scary bit. Lord, your will be done. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word.
And we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to us who is the perfect example of all things. And Father, we just thank you that Jesus displays throughout the scriptures multiple and multitude ways of praying. And I just pray, Father, for whatever, uh, out of any of those three ways, Lord, would they speak to your children, Father, here. And as we leave this place, as we go about a day, a week, and a month, would we uh, develop new habits of praying? Would we develop new habits of seeking you? And I pray, Lord, that at the end when we pray and we seek you, we, we say those ever-scaring words, Lord, that you will be done. And not because we're scared, but because we trust and we love you. And we know that you have our best interests at heart and that you would give us uh, uh, the greatest thing that we've ever desired. So I just pray that as we end tonight, as we come into your next book of worship, whatever we pray for, Lord, let your will be done. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Craig and the team. Is that right? Yeah? Yep. Good. We are um, we're just going to do one song. Oh, one song? Cool. Just one song. Perfect, there we go. So, uh, would you stand and uh, it's in Christ alone. Christ alone. 